Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I gotta say, I am particularly pumped as I record this podcast. We are just hours away from the start of the NFL season. And for those of you who took issue with me talking about anything other than basketball, I'm not going to talk about the start of the NFL season, even though I am eager to dive into the travails of Travis Kelsey and why it's dangerous to anoint a player or team as being great and invincible for the foreseeable future, especially players and teams that have gone to uh, multiple championships and the wear and tear that comes from that. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into any of that because we've got Team USA to discuss. And that's another reason why I am pumped because now it gets good. I'm talking about the World Cup, the FIBA World Cup and Team USA participating in it in the next 24 hours. This relatively no-name Team USA will face Germany in the semifinals. And if you're thinking that that's a cakewalk, then you haven't been paying attention to what has transpired in this tournament. This is a German German team that just walloped Team Canada, which includes a host of quality NBA players. But we'll get to that. So Team USA faces Germany in the semifinals. This after beating Italy in the quarterfinals. Now, funny, I didn't hear a whole lot about Team USA beating Italy in the quarterfinals. Certainly not as much as I heard about Team USA losing losing to Lithuania, a team that just happened to be able to match them in depth and shot-making ability and had a decided size advantage and the natural edge in playing the international game. And while many casual basketball fans no doubt were upset and disappointed that USA lost 110-104, I was actually surprised and somewhat encouraged that they nearly came back and won. 
I believe it was Mikhail Bridges who had a corner three that could have cut the lead to one and made the final 10 seconds very interesting. He didn't. Lithuania got out on the break, scored a layup, and the game was essentially over. Now, for those who dogged this USA team for losing to Lithuania, you must be new to this. It's not the first time Team USA has lost to Lithuania. It's the third time since 2004 when Lithuania beat a U.S. Olympic team with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Tim Duncan, Carmelo Anthony, and Allen Iverson. The Lithuanians have actually been tough since the 80s, the days of Sharunas Marshallonis and Arvidas Sabonis. Now, what mattered, at least to me and USA Managing Director Grant Hill, is how the team would respond to that loss. Would their confidence be shaken? Would they finger point and backbite? And having watched them this entire tournament, I seriously doubted that that would happen. And they rewarded my confidence, thrashing a very good Italian team, 100-63. to It was no contest. Now, I told you in a previous episode that I had particular affection for this U.S. team and admired how they're playing. In large part, because I sense a chemistry and commitment to teamwork that I haven't always seen in our national teams. While favored by most odds makers from the start, they have an underdog feel to them. And a case could be made that Canada has as many recognized NBA players on its squad as Team USA does, led by Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Lou Dort, Dylan Brooks, R.J. Barrett, and Kelly Olenek. I also told you that in spite of Team USA's double-digit victories up until the Lithuania game, that they were vulnerable, that they were far from a lock to win gold. And that still stands true. Lithuania showed why. Leading by as many as 21 early, executing textbook half-court offense to create open looks that resulted in nine of nine shooting from three-point range. After the first minute, when Anthony Edwards started out hitting two mid-range jumpers, accounted for four of his 35 points, Lithuania took a 7-4 lead off its first three and never trailed again. Now, I saw at least one casual fan post the scoring numbers for USA's top players and noting that Anthony had 35 and suggesting that it was the problem was that Ant didn't get enough support. And again, that's somebody judging a game by box score. Because part of the problem is that all Edwards did was score. And at times, well, let's say he scored and at times put fierce ball pressure on whoever was trying to initiate Lithuania's uh, offense. I don't want to not recognize that his defense was a part of what fueled the comeback. He was part of that. Now, hasn't always played great defense. He's had lapses. But when he puts his mind to it, he can put pressure on the ball as well as anybody. Uh, The problem is he played the most minutes, nearly 29 of a possible 40, and he had one rebound. And that's where Lithuania probably had its biggest advantage. Crushed Team USA on the boards, particularly on the offensive boards. Edwards showed why some think he could be the NBA's next superstar. 
with his ability to score from all three levels. I'm not going to dispute that. He's wildly talented. But he also fell asleep on several critical defensive stands, leaving his man wide open to bury a three and was a non-factor in boxing out or hitting the boards, which the undersized U.S. team simply cannot afford and a player of Edwards' athleticism should be able to help. And in case you're wondering, I do still love this team in spite of the loss to Lithuania. Their flaws or weaknesses are obvious, but they've been there and I knew they were there from the very start. And as national team director Sean Ford told me, the U.S., and this may come as a shock to some of you, the U.S. can no longer count on winning with superior talent alone. Those days are gone, never to return. The rest of the world has closed the gap enough in individual talent that their familiarity with each other and the international game and their hunger to prove that they can beat the U.S. is what makes losses like the one to Lithuania possible and more likely going forward if some things don't change with how we play the international game. I'm not saying that other countries have more talent than us, although Ford indicated that at the, the junior level, that is the case in certain matchups against certain countries. But they've certainly, even at this level, have closed the gap enough that we, even with the absolute best NBA players, we're not guaranteed winning if we don't play the right way. That's where we need to strengthen ourselves if we hope to remain the team to beat in coming years. We need to find players who are hungry to prove to the world that they are better than advertised, as opposed to NBA stars who come in looking to protect an already established reputation or play with a certain arrogance like, don't you know who I am? Yes, they, knew who, they know who you are, and they know where the games are being played internationally with international rules. We need to build teams that can win on chemistry and execution as much as talent. And I believe the bulk of this particular team has a chance to develop that if they're given a shot at familiarity. It's one of the reasons why there weren't tryouts and games played against a U.S. select team or inter-squad scrimmages. But instead, Grant Hill and Sean Ford put together a slate of exhibition games against international teams. It allowed them to develop a familiarity with each other and against international competition. And as soon as a player committed, they also sent them three or four international balls to get familiar with them because the international ball is just markedly different from the NBA ball in feel and in size. That's why I hope that Hill and Ford don't start from scratch in building next summer's Olympic squad, which is traditionally how it's been done. We're constantly reinventing our national team. Other countries don't do that. And some of you may not be aware of this, but NBA players are the exception among players around the world in valuing Olympic gold more than World Cup gold. The rest of the world considers this summer's tournament, the World Cup, the one to win, much like they do the World Cup soccer title over winning Olympic gold in soccer. 
teams don't always send their best teams, players, to the Olympics. Players make a point of being available for the World Cup. I find it annoying and a sign of naivete that a lot of fans, and I assume that they are casual fans, were blasting Steve Kerr, the head coach of this team, and any player with a disappointing stat line for losing to Lithuania. First of all, there's no one better suited to coach Team USA right now than Kerr. And the rest of his staff ain't too shabby either, with Miami Heat's Eric Spolstra and the Clippers' Tyron Lue. But Kerr is the man to be running the show because of the style of play that he has presided over, presided over with the Warriors. It is the most ball and player movement oriented style in the league. And that is how the international game is played. Two, having served as assistant on the last few national teams, he is keenly aware of how the international game is different and who the powerhouses on the international scene are. That wasn't the case for Mike Krzyzewski who had been an assistant on previous uh, national teams before he became the head coach, but it had been like 10, 15 years earlier. And the same with Greg Popovich. Kerr's understanding of the international game is far more recent. And maybe I'm scarred from watching a few star-laden U.S. teams lose while being out-hustled and trying to win with their individual skills. But if a U.S. team is going to lose, I'd rather it be the way this team did against Lithuania, having a horrendously slow start, but then dialing up their full-court pressure and defensive intensity and scratching and clawing their way back into the game, not as individuals, but with a collective effort at both ends of the floor. I'd argue one of the reasons that they fell behind and one of the reasons that they ultimately lost is that Edwards and Brandon Ingram in particular were too single-minded in looking to score themselves. There's a reason Ingram was on the bench at the end of the Lithuania game and Kerr had both Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton, his two point guards, on the floor together. It's a nod toward what Ford referred to, trying to win the game with chemistry and execution over trying to out-talent the Lithuanians. That's why... Uh, Brandon Ingram was replaced in the starting lineup by Josh Hart. 29-year-old, only started one game for the Knicks out of 25 regular season games. Josh Hart doesn't start for the Knicks. Replaced Brandon Ingram in the starting lineup for Team USA. Take this as a public service announcement. It's time to stop thinking someone is at fault if Team USA loses an international game. If you want to blame anyone, blame those fans who have become infatuated with the NBA style of play, where the rules and officiating have been tilted to give offensive players an unprecedented major advantage. Now, the NFL has done the same for the sake of scoring and entertainment. I get it. It's a business. It's the entertainment business and professional sports in the U.S., are dealing with an increasingly shorter span of attention. you got to make things glitzy in order to keep people in, uh, entertained and paying attention. The difference is the NFL doesn't have any competition outside of itself, so it doesn't matter. That's not the case with basketball, with the NBA. And it is the beauty and curse of the sport, at least as far as U.S. pride is concerned. 
that we want to say we're the best, but we're now playing a style in our league that is not conducive to winning internationally. This, I could go back to Noah Lyle saying that that's why NBA champions aren't necessarily world champions, but if you want my take on that, you can hear that in the previous podcast. There are three reasons I was encouraged about this team despite the outcome. One, Lithuania made some crazy beat-the-buzzer heavily contested shots throughout the game. They pulled at least a half dozen shots out of their tie-dyed asses. Two, Team USA's defensive intensity erased nearly all of that lead in the third quarter in about five minutes. It gave you a sense of just what they're capable of. And it was a game from that point on. Lithuania was able to stretch it out again to double digits briefly in the fourth quarter. But it was a close game in spite of not being a close game at all in the first half. Three, there are adjustments that Kerr and the team can make. One of them being that when Austin Reeves gets posted up, which is something that Lithuania did repeatedly and with great success, they could send a double and then recover. And they, they didn't do any of that. Maybe they didn't want to show it because this was a team that, this was a game that they did not have to win to stay alive in the tournament. It was a matter of uh, determining seeding and placement. So I'm sensing that maybe Steve Kerr took a page out of the international coaches book, which is when they play games that aren't in the knockout round, they don't always show their entire hand to Team USA. They will lose rather than pulling out all the stops if they know there's a good chance that they're going to see Team USA down the line. So they have something to spring on them. I'm guessing that Steve Kerr is doing the same, which again is another reason why it's good that he's the head coach of this squad. I spoke with, I mentioned Grant Hill, the USA team managing director, took over for Jerry Colangelo two years ago, and national director Sean Ford. I spoke to both of them after the Lithuania game about the team for a piece that I'm writing. should be up, might, might even be up now, on foxsports.com in the Fox Sports app. Um, and one of the revelations that came out of my conversation with Grant, who played on the gold medal winning 96 team, is how much has flipped when it comes to both the NBA and international players and the NBA versus the international game. Back in the 90s, for those of you who either weren't alive or don't remember, European players regarded, were regarded as soft, finesse players. And their game was viewed as being largely drive and kick basketball. Lots of threes. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
If you've watched the last two games Team USA played against Serbia, Montenegro, and Lithuania, you saw international teams that won on toughness, physicality, and ability to play inside-out basketball. Still, still, still shooting the three, still shooting the three well, but it's how they get there. It's not drive and kick. There's some drive and kick, but there's just as much post up and kick. While Team USA has struggled to score if they can't put the ball on the floor and find a seam into the paint. And the physicality has clearly been a disadvantage for them. Jonas Valanciunas, the Pelicans and Lithuania center, looked like vintage Shaquille O'Neal, the way he dominated the paint at both ends and put Jaron Jackson Jr. and Walker Kessler in early foul trouble. There's also a mental softness that has developed with our young stars in the NBA. And I suspect that another reason the Team USA elected not to have tryouts is because of the fallout in 2019, when players who sensed they were not going to make the team withdrew early or simply refused to come out and try out because they didn't want to get dragged on social media for not making the team. And I get the impression that a lot of players were only willing to sign up for this summer if they were guaranteed a spot. Now, players are a product of their environment. I don't believe that this, uh, our latest generation of players, are inherently mentally weaker than their predecessors. I do believe that they have not been mentally toughened the way that players in the past have, by having to earn their spot, by having to try out, by having to face the possibility of being embarrassed and not making a team. Players are, as I said, a product of their environment and at the AAU level, college, and even in the NBA, There are too many teams and coaches who no longer demand that players wait their turn, earn their spot, or their minutes. And it may come as a surprise to some of the members, maybe it came as a surprise to some of the members of this team, that while they were granted a roster spot, they weren't guaranteed minutes because the coaching staff, Kerr, Spo, Lou, happened to be three NBA coaches who are ruthless about playing whoever is playing best and whatever combination gives them the best chance to win, salary or stardom be damned. And that was reflected in Josh Hart, as I said, Josh Hart starting in place of Brandon Ingram. That's one example. Minutes have not been guaranteed to anyone. They've played the best lineups. And this might be the biggest problem the Team USA faces now and for the foreseeable future. There are no American-born bigs in the NBA that know how to play in the post at both ends. Not at an elite level by international rules, which favor the defense over offense. The exact opposite of how the NBA currently operates. I almost feel as if Walker Kessler is the great great white hope in more ways than one. And this might be the clearest indicator of how the NBA game has changed and thereby made building a U.S. team more challenging and will make building U.S. teams in the future challenging. The three centers on Hill's 96-6 team were 
Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, and a young Shaquille O'Neal, who I believe did not play in the second half of their gold-winning game against Yugoslavia and was not happy about it. Uh, supposedly, I think at the time he was a uh, he was sponsor uh, or an endorser of Pepsi. Coca-Cola is the Olympic drink of choice, soft drink of choice. And uh, what I'm told is the Chak was so upset that he threatened to walk out in on the ceremony for the ceremony carrying a Pepsi can, and uh, it apparently delayed the uh, the ceremony because they had to talk him down off of <laughs> off of doing that. Now, the only player who holds a U.S. passport and could instantly change the disadvantage Team USA has is Cameroonian-born Joel Embiid. And if Team USA should fall short in this World Cup, I will be interested to see if Hill and Ford try to recruit Embiid to play in the Olympics. Embiid has the ability to defend big bodies in the paint, score himself there, and also stretch the floor with his three-point shooting. He is in pretty much everything that Team USA is lacking when it comes to bigs. Their big rotation is Jaron Jackson Jr., Paolo Bancaro, and Walker Kessler. In that order. Imagine Embiid in the international game, where there is no illegal defense or defensive three seconds, being able to camp out in the paint to defend the rim. That's one of the reasons why Anthony Edwards and Brandon Ingram and guys who are used to, if they beat their man off the dribble, they can get all the way to the rim because the help can't get there fast enough. In international basketball, the bigs don't have to stay outside of the paint and then come help. They can stand there. So they're waiting, even when a guy beats, uh, beats their man off the dribble. That's why guys like Austin Reeves and Jalen Brunson have the knack of beating their guy off the dribble and then finding that space and shooting early rather than thinking they can get to the rim because those guys aren't particularly fast enough to always get there. So they've learned how once they beat their man off the dribble to look for that opening to get their shot off. Edwards is not used to doing that. Uh, if you look at his game, he really does not have a pull-up game. The number of floaters that Edwards or Brandon shoot uh, in an NBA season, I'd have to go back and look at the, the, at the stats, but I dare say anecdotally, I just don't remember that being a primary part of their games. And it would be very, very valuable playing in the international game if they had that. Then, then they would indeed be unstoppable. Now, back to Embiid. I, I think he would be an instant answer or solution to the beating that this U.S. team has taken from centers like Valanciunas. And it actually could be the best thing for Embiid as well. One, it would earn him a welcome dose of goodwill. Something he could use, I would say, after losing yet again in the second round with the Sixers, with a disappointing performance in several key games, and all of that after winning his first league Most Valuable Player award. Short of winning an NBA championship, dominating on the world stage would give his MVP award a boost of credibility with those who view his postseason shortcomings as evidence 
that it was undeserved. Now, I realize it's a tricky proposition in light of his difficulty staying healthy. There is no load managing in international competition. Flip side is the games are shorter and the minutes are far more evenly distributed. Edwards, last I checked, is the uh, is leading the team in average minutes played, and it's somewhere between 22 and 24. Embiid aside, I genuinely hope that Hill and Ford don't immediately give spots on the team to NBA superstars who decide they want to add another Olympic gold medal to their resumes. And they are out there. Hill wouldn't name names, but he said there are some legacy players, some who are in their prime, some who are past their prime but still productive, who have expressed interest in playing in the Olympics. And the biggest reason that I don't want to see them automatically given spots on the team is that I believe this experience right now, win or lose, is going to elevate the play of the young up-and-coming stars on this team. It's going to inspire players like Anthony Edwards and Brandon Ingram to develop their games, to evolve and maybe to become better team, collective team players. And I believe in doing so, it would elevate the level of play in the NBA. It's not going to cause a tidal wave. It's not going to cause this massive transformation. But for anybody who's a little tired of the NBA isolation game with stars having the ball 40% of the time, and taking the majority of the shots because they can get, if not score, they can get to the free throw line. I I just would rather see more of a team-oriented game like the international game. It's why I've enjoyed this competition and why I've enjoyed watching this Team USA play, even though they're they're not the best at it. There's other teams that are better at it, but the way they've chosen the players for this team they're better than some of the talent-laden U.S. teams that I've seen in the past. As I said, doing so, allowing these players to move forward, is not going to prompt some major shift. But it could infuse just a little more team play in the NBA, something that I, for one, would certainly welcome. And I don't think I'm alone. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And in the next episode, we will have the results. We got Team Team USA playing Germany on Friday and then the finals on Sunday. And one way or the other, there will be something to put a bow on when it comes to this U.S. team and this experience, and I plan to do that. And then, going moving forward, need to talk about the recent comments by Giannis Antetokounmpo about potentially leaving Milwaukee. Very odd, very out of character, and I want to get into why we may have heard those comments and what they mean. All of that in the next episode, potentially. Or next episodes, I shall say. In the meantime, as always, 
Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.